listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this exciting message by Pastor Andy Squires. All right, all right, all right. Extremely beautiful people. Mm. What, key, what key is that in? E? That sounds, I, I love that key. It's the original key. Hey, why don't we just sing this little chorus? The thing I like about Matt is he is the worship leader that I was 15 years ago. And he remembers all the songs. I don't remember any of the songs anymore. <laughs> So he can pull songs out of his hat. I'm stuck. Yeah, it's okay. I like where you're stuck, Matt. I like it. But when he started singing that song, I will give you all my worship. And I was like, man, that is the best worship song. It's so simple. It's like, just sing your love to the Lord. You can sing you these simple words. And the words aren't necessarily so deep, but sometimes you don't need deep words. Sometimes you just got to sing the simplicity of your love to God. Amen. Why don't we just sing that together one more time? I will give you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone, I long to more time and I will give you all my That's the secret chord. (laughs) Um, During worship today, I was reminded about this river that the Bible talks about over and over from the New Testament, from the beginning to the end of the Bible. There's this river that you see all through scripture. And and Julie was start started singing this morning about going down to the river and being washed in that river. And and I was just I was having this realization that that river, although in the Bible it's it's metaphorically uh, it's there's a metaphor running through the Bible. But the truth is, there's a reality of that river and it's running from the throne of God through even into this place this morning and during worship this morning. I just I got this sense of this healing river that was was just flowing over us right right in our midst. And even if you weren't necessarily feeling it or connecting with that, there's still a reality available to us this morning of the river of God that really can and will heal us if we let it. And one of the songs that we sang this morning was this song called Love Supreme. And the first verse of it is is talking about this river. And um. How many of you all know that song? I mean, if you heard it this morning, but you know it, um, the, the, the Genesis, the beginning of that song, uh, it, it, that song came out of the church that I was in because we had to learn to worship God again in the ashes of the very worst tragedy that we'd ever experienced. I don't like really talking about what my songs are about, but I feel like I should tell you guys about this this morning. That one of my, in 2009, one of my very best friends in the world, he was actually murdered in his bed. He was laying in his bed one night and somebody come in, came in and, and killed him in cold blood. And that murderer has never been caught before, or never been caught. And so here we were, we were this, this church that had been moving and just a tremendous move of the spirit for, for three or four years. And we'd seen all kinds of things like, 
healings and deliverances and miracles and salvations, all the kinds of things that you dream about a church witnessing. We were witness to that. And then out of nowhere, when we least expected it, we experienced the very worst that life had to offer. And, and I'll say this, there was years worth of laments that followed that occasion. It wasn't like we got up one day and we're like, oh, we're Christians. We're not affected by that kind of stuff. We were very much, very much affected by it. There are things that you'll go through in your life that will mark you. You know, there's a scripture that we're, we're, um, talks about Jesus hanging on the cross and he was so marked by the work of the cross. The Bible says that he couldn't even be recognized as a, as being a human being. And there's things that we will go through in this life that mark us. And yet, and yet in all of that stuff that will affect us, there is this river That's not only flowing over us, but it's flowing through us. And and you you there will be times in your life you won't even feel the strength of that thing. You might not even believe that it's there, but I'm telling you, church, it is there. It's an eternal river, and it is always flowing, and you can go drink from it anytime you want to. So praise the Lord. Is everyone doing okay this morning? You know, uh, I on, on the weekends, I'm a traveling singer-songwriter. I go to different places, and I sing my little songs in these little places. And sometimes I have to tell people how to behave at a house show because people don't know what to do because everybody's like this. They, they feel like they have to behave, and I always have to tell people, listen, this is a party. There's a lot of good stuff happening here. I'm amazing at what I do. So when I'm amazing, you can respond to that. It's okay. You know, this isn't like, there's not some formula that we're all trying to, you know, let me tell you this, this right here, isn't me talking and you behaving. What this is, is us sharing together the feast of the Lord. We're drinking from this river back and forth. And if you feel the need to call out your thankfulness this morning, I give you permission to do that. You might want to sit quietly though, and that's okay too. Please don't, don't be, um, don't feel like you're under compulsion to, to call out. But, uh, one thing I've been thinking a lot about lately is bringing my life into submission with the Lord. And that includes my body. It's my mind, it's my heart, but it also includes my body. And sometimes I just got to let my body respond to what the spirit of the Lord is doing. I think a lot of people are walking around constipated because they're not letting that flow out, you know, like, oh, that's a terrible metaphor. So, oh, man, you know, sometimes you run into a person who says that a woman can't preach. But if you... Listen to Sandy Forbes last week. You would not ascribe to that kind of stupidity. You know, I'm telling you, if you weren't here last week, please, please listen to the podcast, not in support of women preachers, but because her message will actually change your life. She was such a baller, man. I'm telling you, it was incredible how good she was. I was taking notes on how to communicate better. And I'm proving to you now how much my notes are not taking effect. (laughs) What did she say? Honor the struggle. Do you guys remember that? Honor the struggle. I've been thinking about that all week. That message really helped me, man. It gave me strength. It gave me courage. And, you know, here's the thing. You need to hear the word Because you need strength and courage in your life. Amen. And you need your life adjusted. And we don't automatically show up on the scene knowing everything, do we? We don't. If you believe that you already know all there is, then, well, good luck to you. Personally speaking, I need help. And one of the greatest joys I have in my life is that I get to submit my life under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Because the thing is this, I do not want to live under the tyranny of my own thoughts and beliefs and actions. I need to come into alignment with the Lord and what the spirit of the Lord is doing. All right. It's not to say that I don't have good and reasonable thoughts. It's just that 
I can't arrive at righteousness on my own. I need the Lord. I need the body of Christ. I need you and you need me. And we are learning to come under the Lordship and submit ourselves under the Lordship of Jesus Christ together. All right. And the reason why it's called submission is because sometimes we're called to doing things that we would not rather do. Okay. This is the way this works. Part of following Jesus is that you stop doing the things that you want to do and you decide to do the things that God wants to do. All right. But God is not a hard taskmaster. He is not leading us to do things that are against our nature. Actually, he is teaching us that the things that he wants, we are actually hardwired for. The things that God wants are the same things that I actually want. My journey towards that is just like stopping believing the lies that I don't want that. All right. We are built for righteousness. We are built for surrendering to him. And following Jesus is not a heavy burden, but it is a joy. It is truly a joy. And it is an honor to live your life as unto the Lord. We, that's actually something we need to get back in this generation. Okay, we, we, we are part of a generation where self-expression is like the highest value. Okay, I am all for expression, but there's, there's a greater reality than that. The best self-expression actually flows out of your coming into alignment with the plan that God has for your life. All right. So, but, but following Jesus, it can be a heavy burden if we disagree with what God is saying to us. All right. There are moments in your life where your, your current mindset will come into conflict with the mind of Christ. This is, it's okay. This is what happens. This is part of the journey. All right. Um, so it can be a heavy burden to us if we disagree with what God is saying to us or or if we haven't quite understood yet what he is saying, all right? So I have found that there are two things in my life that have caused me the greatest frustration. One, deliberately choosing to disobey what God is saying. And two, not yet understanding what God means by what he is saying. Those are my two points of greatest frustration. So this is why we come together <clears throat> And we gather around his presence and his word. We partake of the wine of his presence and the word because we need understanding. All right. So if you have your Bibles or your iPhones, let's start by reading the scripture out of Ephesians. We're in the book of Ephesians. The name of my, my sermon is Ephesians part three. That's as good as I could come up with. So. Let's uh, let's read the word Ephesians chapter two, starting at verse one. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we all are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We could literally spend a year unpacking this, but I'm not a teacher. I'm more of an exhorter. So I'm not going to spend any time teaching you what any of this means. Okay. 
I'm just going to trust that the spirit of God is working in our midst and he is leading us into understanding, okay? I thank God for godly teachers, but I have to stay in my own lane and so I'm gonna do something else this morning, all right? So so we are his workmanship and he is faithful to complete his work in us. So here's the thing is we're on a journey of becoming. We are being transformed into his image, Individually, this is true, and corporately, this is true. So each of you has this individual journey into Christ's likeness, but more so than that, corporately together, the church of Jesus Christ is being formed into his image. You know, there's such a thing as individual salvation, but there's another thing as corporate salvation. God's not just interested in saving and healing individuals. He's interested in saving and healing communities and cities and country and nations. All right. So. So I have to say this before I continue. Um, If you happen to be married to a preacher, I'm sorry for you. I would like to apologize for that because at some point in your life, um, you're, you're going to have your life shared in front of the church. And I've already made uh, apologies to my wife. She's actually got nursery duty this morning. So I got permission for all that I was going to share this morning. But man, this is just one of the things about being married to a preacher or being the children of a preacher. It's like, man, some, someday there's going to be a story told, okay? So my apologies to you if you're married to a preacher. So, but my story is my story and it's the only one I've got. And me and Amy have made up our minds that we are going to live as openly as possible as we can. And I can't really be sharing another person's story. Can I, I've got to have my own walk, my own relationship with the Lord, and I've got to have my own faith and having my own faith means I'm going to have my own challenges and my own conflicts. I'm going to face down my own fears and my own discouragements, and I get to have some victories and breakthroughs too, all right? So, and we have to share all of this with each other because the story of God is not just what happens between the pages in this book, but it's what's happening in our lives. You know, there's the story of God that did not end when this book finished. It has continued on, right? There's this gospel story there's this transformative thing that has continued happening in 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 life on planet earth and in our individual lives so so amy and i we were comparing notes with each other this week and um i know from this pulpit i've shared a lot of my grief and angst with you guys but lately we've been kind of giddy with joy lately you know and so if i've been free to share my mess with you i want to share some of my giddiness and my joy with you this morning all right if you're up for that i mean so so we've had some great things happen to us and and we've just kind of been reveling in the sweet things that god has done for us recently and so we were talking and and amy Amy's like, she's like a hidden treasure. Like she's way smarter than me and she doesn't say a lot of words, but when she does say something, it kind of like, it hits you more than the volumes of words that I use on a regular basis, you know, but she's been on her own journey with the Lord. And and she said this thing and it was so good. I had to write it down. And I I said, baby, I have to put this in my message this week. But she said this. We're talking about our journey with the Lord. And she says, Andy, here's the thing. I'm so glad that the Lord didn't change my circumstances before I got a chance to submit my life to him. She said, I'm so glad the Lord didn't change my circumstances before I got to have my own heart changed. And it was like, it was like a holy moment. You know, sometimes you're like walking along in your life and it's just, you're going through mundane stuff and mundane life is important, but there's also these moments that are sacred. And if you're not careful, you'll miss them. But she said this thing and I was like, it was just like, there was this weighty glory on her words. And I was like, oh man. So this past six months, 
God has been taking Amy through this incredible season of, of healing in her, in her heart and in her mind and lot, lots of different issues were being touched. But what's amazing is, is that when you get, it's like there's a certain point that you get to in your walk with the Lord and, and, and you're so out of energy and you're so out of um, capacity to control your circumstance anymore that your only viable option in continuing as a human being is to m- submit yourself to the reality of your life. You know, Randall Worley said it to us a while back. He's like, sometimes God comes disguised to you as your own life. It's a really kind of terrible thing to think about, but it seems to be that's the way this works. And so a while ago, the Lord was just walking Amy through this point of surrender and, um, and, and none, of her, none of her circumstances had changed. Like, I wish I could tell you, well, here, and I think Sandy said this last week. It's like, you can't trick God out by going, okay, I get it. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to submit my life to you here. But in six months, right, it's, it's you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of a thing. Right? No, that's not where the victory is gained. That's not where the joy comes in. That's not where you gain, you, you gain the reality of real life. And so she had this experience where she was just like, she called me one day and she's like, Andy, I am so thankful for all the prayers that I prayed that did not get answered. Oh my gosh, that's like a Garth Brooks song right there. (laughs) But I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, my journey with the Lord has been so uh, just constantly frustrated with God, not answering my prayers. And she comes at me with, man, it's such a good and joyful thing that the Lord wasn't responding to all of those cries the way I wanted him to. Because what I found out, the, the reality of, of, that I found out about walking with him in the middle of all this stuff is so much greater than if he had waved his magic wand and made all my problems go away. And it's like, that's the point. It's like, that's the point of surrender. When you get to that place, that's the reality that floods into your heart and into your mind and into your soul. And it's, it's a priceless revelation because the thing is, nobody can give you that thing. Like you can, you can be sitting in that seat, which we have. We've been sitting in that seat for years, hearing the most anointed preachers preaching the most anointed messages. And for some reason, it just wasn't connecting. We were just like, God, why do you hate us so much? Why won't you do the things that we need you to do so that we can be happy? And little did we know the father was giving us the greatest gift ever It's like, it's the gift of being human. It's that gift of of really walking with Jesus through every moment and every season of life in the richest, most fullest way. So the thing is, Submitting your hearts, submitting our hearts and our minds and our bodies to Jesus will not automatically cure our difficult situations. Hear me when I say that. This is not a formula. I've, I've actually even heard people use thankfulness as a formula to get out of their problems. That is to miss the point of thankfulness. That is to miss the point of being grateful for being alive right now. You know what you do when you're using thankfulness to get to another day somewhere else? You're missing the point of your life today. That is you exercising futility. I mean, when Matt started talking about being present this morning, I mean, just to be honest, I was like, well, that's a little weird. Like practicing presence or practicing being present. 
But that's like, well, that's the thing that we all have the most difficult time with, isn't it? We're always looking for God in the future and never in this moment. And we keep asking him to change our future circumstances because we have such a difficult time with this moment now. And the problem is, is that he has invited us to this moment now. That's why it feels uncomfortable to us because we're always trying to live over there and he is only over here. So submitting my heart and my mind and my body to Jesus frees me from having to be smart enough or worthy enough. It allows me to enjoy my life as it is and to enjoy my life lived in him. So my story goes something like this. This is in a nutshell. Amy and I have been thirsty. We've been thirsty for a spiritual home. We've been thirsty for a spiritual family. We've been thirsty for a spiritual story. We've had this great hunger in us and a great thirst for the reality of the spirit and for God's kingdom to really explode in our lives. And for years, it's felt like we've just been wandering around in the wilderness. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you have a similar story to that? So, so we got to this place where we had no other choice than to submit our lives as they actually were to the Lord. All right. The point of your frustration is the place of your submission. The point of your frustration is the place of your submission. The thing that you're wringing your hands over is the place where God wants to pour out grace to you. That is the giving up. You take the things that you can't control. You take the things that you can't fix and you offer them to God and you stop trying to control every circumstance in your life. It's actually a great relief to take all that you don't understand and all that you don't know. And you confess, Lord, I am not smart enough to figure this out. Here you go. Of course, God knows that, but we hardly ever do. So when Amy said that to me, she said, Andy, I'm so glad the Lord didn't change my circumstances before I could change my heart. I thought about that Garth Brooks song, which is so cheesy, but I love that song. Who knows that song? Sometimes I thank God. Yes. All right. For unanswered prayers. This one's for you, brother. (laughs) If you don't know that song, you got to listen to it. Man, I was driving down the freeway, highway. We say freeway in California, the highway going to Atlanta. I was listening to Dwight Yoakam the whole way. Man, Dwight Yoakam is good, man. Like, I love 80s country. I hate today's country music, but 80s country is so good. Man, sorry. You would not believe how many people will judge you if you say you like Rascal Flats. I feel so judged right now. All right. So, so Amy said this to me and I was thinking, thinking about the gift, the gift that unanswered prayers are because in them, we find out how we are filled with the fullness of God. That's how we find out. So the book of Ephesians is talking all about being filled with the fullness of God. You would not know that you were filled with the fullness of God, except that your circumstances and the things that, that were, are in your life would prove that. Amy didn't experience joy once her circumstances changed. She became aware of the fullness of God that was already present in her and all around her. The eyes of her understanding were opened and she could see back on all the years of tension and frustration and really see what a gift life is, even in times that feel so difficult. So, so I should tell you this thing. Last Saturday, this is so funny. But Amy and I, we, we accidentally bought a house. This is crazy. <laughs> this really happened. <laughs> so yeah, we just, it was just like we stumbled into it. We woke up out of bed and just like, just literally, we just bought this house. But a year ago or last summer, we sold our house in Mooresville with the goal of coming down to Charlotte so we could be closer to the church. And we just, so we sold our house 
and we rented this church or this, uh, this house and not really sure what we were going to do. And you know, the thing about it is you move into Charlotte, man, housing's so expensive now. It's like, it's kind of crazy. You know, you need three, three or four jobs to afford a house, you know? Um, but, uh, so we, we were really kind of like, ah, oh, Lord, we don't know what we're going to do, but you know, we'll see, we'll just see. We've always been those people who just like, we make decisions and then we, we, you know, count up our pain afterwards, you know, assess our pain afterwards, you know, if you're always assessing your pain ahead of time, you'll never do anything interesting. That's what I always say, you know, <laughs> don't be so deliberate in your life, you know, have a little fun, sell your house and move to the country, you know, you should do that. It does. It does. It's worked for me my whole life. I, I've literally learned how to live from my gut, my gut. You know, it's like you follow your instincts. But anyways, I'm lying in bed. I'm drinking my coffee on a Saturday morning and Amy comes in. She's like, hey, what are you doing today? I'm like, I'm not really. I think I'm doing what I'm going to be doing all day, laying in my bed, drinking coffee, playing words with friends. And she says, you know, do you want to do you want to maybe go look at a house? I said, sure, because we always look at houses. We've seen a lot of houses recently and everything that we walk into, we're like, I can't afford this or it's such a dump. It'll take me another hundred and fifty thousand dollars to fix it up. Right. And, and Amy's always had this little dream that she'd like a little space around her house, like some acreage. And, you know, it's hard to find in Charlotte. You're not always going to be easily able to do that. And so I said, yeah, I got nothing else to do. So let's go look at this house. Well, we drive over into like the Oakdale section of Charlotte, which is just like right below Mountain Island Lake. And um, we, we pull into onto the road and it's this driveway and the driveway sits off the roadways. The house is tucked back in the middle of the secret garden and it's surrounded by two acres of woods. And I walk in the house. I'm thinking, oh, this place is going to be a dump. And I walked into the house and I, I walked around that house for five minutes. And I walked out of that house and I said, Amy, call our realtor. We're going to buy this house. Like it was that easy. And in 10 minutes, we had an offer to them. And an hour later, they accepted our offer. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 worth, it's worth clapping over. But God, I don't even know why I'm telling you all that. But any, well, it's a culmination. I, I'll, I'll get to where I'm going with this. <clears throat> so here's the thing. You can enjoy your life. And you can enjoy the victories that you get. This, it felt like a prophetic moment for us. It felt like, like the breath of God breathing on our lives in a way that we hadn't experienced in years. But my thought is that we probably wouldn't have recognized it if we hadn't already seen ourselves fully and completely seated in the heavenly places with Christ, if we hadn't already been giving ourselves fully to the processes and plans of the spirit, my guess is we probably would have missed that thing. And for some reason, the enjoyment level of getting that house was exponentially greater because we were doing it with Jesus. It was so good because we could just feel his pleasure all around us. And it was just like, Lord, I love following you. This is so fun. It's not always fun, but man, when the fun times are here, I am going to revel in them, Lord. This is so good. Because you know, the spiritual life isn't all about poverty and suffering, right? You know this. Like you will endure some seasons of hardship, but you will also have some seasons of victory and harvest and fullness. And you've heard me say this from the pulpit before, but man, if you're going to be good at suffering, you might be good at become good at feasting too. I don't want to be a Christian who's just adept at suffering and lack. I want to be good at all things. And when somebody starts serving a feast and pouring wine, I don't want to be like, no, that's not Christian. <laughs> this revelry that's happening over here, I, I don't want to be a part of that because my job is to suffer and, and just be over in the land of lack. No, man, when the, when the Lord comes and he's dispensing this harvest that I really have no explanation for, I'm going to enjoy it. 
Because the spirit enjoys life. The spirit is calling us to enjoy this life. The spirit is calling us to be present in this moment, even in the middle of our sufferings. Which seems so strange, doesn't it? It's kind of unexplainable. It's kind of weird. Everything that I'm trying to explain to you, I really can't explain. Right? That's kind of the whole thing, isn't it? So you can enjoy life and the victories you get when the harvest comes and you have to take a few weeks and you have to feast and you have to revel in it. And I'm not going to work through the things for years and then not party when the breakthrough comes. Sorry, if you get mad because someone is enjoying their harvest, that's your problem, not theirs. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> so I have this friend. He used to always tell me it's not polite to eat bread in front of the poor. Like that's that's what he would say when somebody was like. Somebody was enjoying the goodness of God in their life and they were having a great old time. He would say, hey, it's not polite to, to, to eat bread in front of the poor. And I'm like, well, yeah, but that can't be the whole story. Oh, here's a better way of saying it. Let's party and then invite all the poor people with us. Let, just just let, let everybody who feels like they, they don't have what they're needing or they, they're getting the short end of the stick. We'll just, we'll just bring them in to the things of the Lord and the things that the Lord is doing for us. And we'll just serve up the wine and the word to those people and they can feast and get fat too. Amen. I mean, sometimes like you'll be not enjoying a victory and your brother or sister will be enjoying a victory. And the thing that sneaks up on you is a little bit of covetousness and jealousy. And you're like, Lord, why aren't you doing that for me? You're doing it for them. And that's just an invitation to us to stop comparing ourselves to other people's lives. And we just have to let the Lord do his thing with us. And we have to learn the lessons that the spirit is trying to work in us. And we might want to try practicing in advance the party that's going to come now. Like we could bring that future party into today. You know, even if you're not feeling like partying, maybe you could just like raise a little glass. Like, you know, you might not be full revelry mode, but you, you know, you might not be dancing the Macarena, but you might just lift, lift your glass a little bit, you know? I mean, the thing is, the thing is, this is the truth about my life. There have been times when I have been so weak, I could not feed myself. I had a seat at the table, but I could not lift the cup to my lips. And the reason why we need each other is because... Sometimes you'll have to lift the cup to your brother or sister's lips. Sometimes you'll have to, to prepare a meal that is so good that when they're sitting in front of it, they cannot help but partake. And it, and it takes a while to cultivate how to do that, but it's in you. This is in you. And the spirit is giving you permission to pour out the wine on your brother and sister who might be in a weaker state than you. I'm saying a lot. I'll try to focus. I'm sorry. Everybody okay? Okay, so the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is really a call to being who we are. That's all the book of Ephesians is. God has this imperative. It's not follow the rules. It's not follow the rules just right so you can, you know, become a more spiritual person. The book of Ephesians is a letter to a church who did not happen to know they were hearing scripture. I'm not even sure Paul knew he was writing scripture. He was just writing a letter to some friends. Happened to get canonized, got put into scripture. But it's an invitation. It's a call into you and me becoming who we actually are. I can, so when Paul... I can almost certainly say that the hearers of the letter were not thinking that they were listening to the Bible when they were hearing it. My point in that is that Paul was not attempting to make everyone experts of the letters that he was writing down. He was leading them to become more aware of the reality that already existed. He did not write those words down on paper, give it to them and say, hey, I want you to become masters of the words that are written down on this page. He was leading them to a reality that they were being invited to by the spirit. So 
So, so before we read a little scripture, I would like us first to acknowledge that our journey into Christ is one of becoming more aware. It's not about getting better or doing more, although that might be included, but it's about realizing the full, wonderful reality of being alive, or more specifically, being alive in Christ. The letter to the Ephesians is also a letter to us, so we can take its admonishments seriously. So Ephesians is a call to be what you are. Ephesians 6.10 says this, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So here's the thing, for all the criticism that is leveled against the church, there is a call flowing out of the spirit of God that is a call to us each individually and to us as a corporate local church for us to be who we are. This is God's imperative, be who you are. Against all of the cultural despair and angst that's out there, the spirit of Jesus is calling us to become who he created us to be. And we do not have to apologize for that. The first lesson that we need to learn from the book of Ephesians is be blessed. Be blessed. Part of being who you are is that you become aware that you are blessed. Paul is not using flowery language in his beginning chapter for the sake of politeness or poetry. He is releasing reality. Did you know that you are a reality releaser? Everywhere you go, you release a reality into the room. Did you know this? It's a very strange dynamic. But the words you speak, the, the, the body language that you give... The reality that you carry in your heart is the thing that you carry with you. Have you, do you ever get around somebody who's just kind of like brimming over with goodness and you can't figure out why? Well, you, do you know people that when you walk into the room with them and the room feels better because they walked in? Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? You, you, I know you know the opposite of that. Somebody who's walking around with like a, a like, negative they, they've got a depletion working in their soul and they walk into the room and you don't understand what's happening but you can feel it this is why paul is fighting so hard for the church to wake up and become aware of who they actually are because when you become aware of how blessed you are you begin to walk around like that and it's not just important for you but it's important for the rooms that you walk into Paul was releasing reality it's found in this word, be blessed. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. I guarantee you have read that 800 times and not seen what it means. I know I have. I read the scripture all the time and I have no clue what it means. It's true of you, right? You read the first chapter of Ephesians and you're like, I have no clue what's happening here. Right? Start there. If you start with that acknowledgement, you will get much further than if you say to yourself, yes, I understand everything that this means. So be blessed. He's saying, hey, guys, know this. You are blessed. So be blessed. Act like that. You know what blessed people do? They go around releasing blessings everywhere they go. They're full of the fullness of God and it just spills out of them. That's who you are. You might not know it yet, but you're on your way. So heavenly places, this is kind of this phrase that gets thrown around in the book of Ephesians, heavenly places. I've read that my whole life. I don't know what that means, Lord, heavenly places. I think it means something about heaven or places in heaven. I have no clue. <laughs> heavenly places, Paul says. So this is the thing. It's not this ethereal world of what might be. Okay, sometimes I read that, I'm like, oh, okay, so this is just this vague notion of maybe this is, oh, someday I'll be so spiritual that I'll understand what heavenly places are. It's not that. And it's not, it's not an ideal world. Heavenly places in this scripture, it's not the description of ideal, an ideal of the way things should be. Because that's unattainable too. That's like living in the future again, isn't it? 
That's putting what God means for today out there again. So what does heavenly places mean? Heavenly places. It is the nuclear world of now is. When he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, it is not talking about someday, somewhere in the hereafter. It is not an ideal that we will never attain. It is about being fully consumed in Christ and that nuclear reality exists right here and right now inside of you and me. That's what Paul's saying to the church. He's saying you need to become aware that you are carrying this blessing that the father of our Lord Jesus Christ has blessed you with. And you are walking around as a blessing, releasing that fullness out of you. Is anybody getting this this morning? Heavenly places is not a place God made. It is something that God is. The phrase heavenly places, it occurs five times in the course of this letter. And the Greek text does not include the word places. Places is not in the text. Paul is not talking about a place. The full idea defies definition. But it is the magnificent concept that while we are yet on earth, we are as much in God now as we will be later on. You could meditate on that for the rest of the month and it should and will blow your mind into good places. You are currently as much in Christ now as you will be later on. You will not be more in Christ later on than you are right now. But the thing is, we don't know that, but now we do. And it changes everything once you know that. Because you stop living like an orphan. You stop living like you don't have enough. You stop, stop living for better circumstances later on. You start practicing presence now. You start enjoying your wife who you don't normally get along with now. You start enjoying your husband who sometimes has bad breath now. You start enjoying your job that you've maybe been ungrateful for, but now it's become something really good to you now. Your kids all of a sudden become smarter and more talented than ever before. You become a better guitar player, a better filmmaker, a better plumber. You just get better at life because you start awakening to how good life is. This is a call to the good life and you can't enjoy the good life. If you don't know who you are, Paul is working very hard here to get us to realize who we actually are now. So heaven, I want to say is a real place. It's CS Lewis said this. It's as literal as broiled fish. But heaven ahead is just an external form of the heaven within us now. You know that, right? Heaven ahead is just an external form of the heaven that's in us now. Christ in you now is the hope of glory then. We have communion. We don't take communion. We don't join the church and become Christians. We join Christ and become the church. So following God's imperative to be blessed, we see in Ephesians the call to be filled, okay? Ephesians 3, 16, 19 says this, that Jesus would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height I just want to pause and say what we're doing right here is we are comprehending together what is the width and the length and the depth and the height together. Right now, we are knowing the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that we may be 
filled with the fullness of God. We are right now in a corporate practice. What we're doing right now is we are being filled with the fullness of God. Right now, we are becoming more aware of how filled we are with the fullness of God. Ephesians 5.18 says it like this. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. There's this imperative. There's this, there's this, um, well, I kind of want to like, there's, there's an idea floating out in the theological, philosophical atmosphere that says, um, there's nothing for us to do. I actually agree with that. In Christ, everything has been done. Nevertheless, my journey is toward wholeness. I am becoming more whole. There is an imperative to be filled. That means I have to get filled. I have to put myself into a position sometimes where I can be filled. A practice that I, I'm not putting, I'm not putting any a guilty yoke on anybody. I'm just telling you for my life, a practice that I have had my entire life is one of going to church because I can directly connect my walk with Christ as to how many times I'm sitting in that chair coming under the power of the word and the presence of God. When I don't know what to do with my life, when I'm not smart enough, I sit in that chair and I sit under the anointed worship leader or the anointed preacher and it fills my thirsty soul. I need that in my life. I can't live without it. I've tried living without it and I don't like my version when I'm not living without it. My version of me, I need to be filled. So do not be drunk with wine, be filled with the spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This is great. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for things, all things to God, the father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, this is so interesting. So so the first thing that that Paul says is don't be drunk on wine. And then he says, and be filled, be filled with the spirit. What's so interesting is he's connecting us being filled with the spirit, which could seem very ethereal and up here to some very practical things like being with each other, speaking to each other, singing to each other, singing hymns to each other, singing spiritual songs to each other and submitting to each other in the fear of the Lord. Isn't that so interesting? Whenever I think of spiritual things, I think of things up here But the apostle Paul is connecting spiritual things to us doing things together. This is incredible. I was about to argue with John Michael Cord. Is John Michael in here? He's in here. Yes. Okay. So we were talking about this very thing at home group on Wednesday night. Man, if you're not in home group, get in a home group because home group is awesome. Like I, I generally hated home groups and now I love home groups. It's so good. Like we have the best home group. Um, I don't even really know these people that come to my home group, to be honest with you. Like, I don't know who they are, but it's just been the best. I mean, it's a little risky, isn't it? You know what home groups is? It's like this corporate risk experiment. It's this corporate risk, awkward experiment. Like, I'm not sure I'm going to sign up for this home group here because these people might be weird. And I'm over there taking signups. I'm like, I'm not sure if this person should come to my house. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. It's not just me, right? (laughs) So anyways, home group is the best. Committing a season of your life (laughs) to a small group of fellow Christians, man. It's not easy to do, but it will, it will produce awesome fruit in your life. So I was talking to our group about how hungry I have been lately for the spirit of God to move in my life. And I asked this question out loud. I said, how do we get filled with the spirit of God when we're thirsty? And John Michael gave the least spiritual answer of anybody in the room. He said, I get with my friends. And I was like, in my mind, I didn't say it out loud. I was like, no, you don't. That's not, that's not the right answer. Like the right answer is to join hands or speak in tongues or cast out demons or take communion more often or whatever. And, and John Michael's like, 
ah, I get with my friends. And I, this, is, this was literally my first thought. Well, that is a terrible way to get filled up with the Spirit of God. <laughs> but the thing is, the Apostle Paul agrees with John Michael, electric guitar player and small business owner. <laughs> we see it in, in Ephesians 5. Be filled with the Spirit and speak to one another. Be filled with the Spirit and speak to one another. So to, to me, it's kind of like, a, it's like a, a strange circle. It's like, I don't know which came first, the, the chicken or the egg. But like at some point, you got you to gotta enter into that circle and start releasing the blessing that you're carrying over your friends and let them get more blessed. And then in turn, you start receiving more blessing and encouragement and, and correction. Can I say that? You know, I mean, like we all have adjustments that we need to have made in our life, right? Like I am not above and beyond reproach. I need people in my life to say to me, Andy, what you've been doing so far, that's great. But what you're doing now is not going to take you into the things that the Lord has for you. And you need to make some adjustments. And my choice at that point is, well, you don't know me. I'm not going to this home group anymore. I'm not going to this church anymore. Or I could submit myself to my brother and my sister in the fear of the Lord so that I could be filled with all of the fullness of God. I'm almost done, guys. I know I've worn you out this morning, but I'm almost done. So so there is this reality of the spirit that we are connected. Wait, let me say this better. There is a reality of the spirit that we can only receive as we stay connected to each other, according to the scripture. So you could go out and you could do your spiritual life by yourself. God would be with you. God would be for you. God would bestow his amazing grace on you continually. But if you want to do it better, you would stay connected to the body of Christ and you would be continually filled with the fullness of God. Because when Paul is talking about comprehending the height, the width, the depth and the length of becoming aware of the love of God. He's not talking about you coming into that understanding on your own. He's only talking to you about it within context of your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. It's pretty crazy. So this is why it is so important for us to become who God created us to be. Because others are going to be filled with the spirit because of the overflow of the spirit in your life. And that's all I've got. And I'm sticking to it. Why don't we stand up together? Oh, I went long. I'm so sorry. So sorry. Is everybody okay? All right. Lord Jesus, we love you. Let's just reach our hands up. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for extra long sermons. We ask you, Father, this week that you would impart to us an awareness that would cause us to see the blessing of God that we are already walking around with and carrying. Father, I pray that you would mark us as a people who are empathetic and who are sensitive to those that are around us so that we would and could give away strength and grace and peace to those that need it. And I pray, Father, that when we are in need, that we would honestly talk about that with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we together give ourselves to you this week, and we believe this week is going to be an amazing week. For those in seasons of struggle and hardship, we pray for breakthrough. We pray for victory. We pray for the peace of God that passes all understanding to invade every one of those situations. 
And Lord, for those that are enjoying a harvest, I pray for those people to get better at reveling in that victory. And I pray for those people that they would just, man, that they would invite some people to that party, Lord. Lord, we pray that you would put a party in our hearts that would flow out of our lives into the broken areas of other people's hearts and minds and bodies, Lord. God, this is going to be my last part of this prayer, you guys. God, free us from judgment that keeps us from loving people well. Free us from that, God. And we pray that that every person that we would judge, have judged based on a first impression, Lord, we pray that you would remove that first impression and that you would give us the eyes of Jesus to see people and to call them into who you say they are, Lord. Father, we love you. Bless us. We bless you. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.